episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Now, this week's a little unusual. Um, We're going to be doing things a little bit differently, um, as that I noticed a trend based on hashtags and some comments I got on some of my videos on Twitter. And I went and searched of where did this come from? Because I saw Tucker Carlson doing this a little bit, but I knew it had to be more than Tucker Carlson in order for this to be as prominent as it was. So I had to go back two weeks. So what you're going to hear are clips from the end of the week before last week and last week. And what I'm doing is I'm showing how Fox News took two totally separate events and combined them into one to mislead their audience. And that's exactly what they did. There's no way this was accidental. This was definitely purposeful, and this was done to demonize a marginalized community. So this is the title for the episode. Here we go. How Fox News Combined to Protest to Create a False Narrative in the Nashville Shooting. So this has a timeline. It's going to be a little bit more rigid than usual. And this is how we're going to start it. A timeline of the false narrative of two protests and a mass shooting. Due to the ambiguity of the gender of the Nashville shooter, I will refer to this person with the gender-neutral pronouns, they, them. I will also refrain from using their legal name. The shooter might have been seeking notoriety when they committed their heinous crime, and I refuse to give it to them. So Monday, March 27th, the horrible morning of the Nashville shooting. A trans person kills three children and three adults at a school they attended as a child. The shooter is killed by police. Two days later, in Frankfort, Kentucky, the Kentucky legislature overrides the governor's veto of an anti-LGBTQ bill. The very next day, again, we go back to Nashville, protests break out in the state capitol. The crowds demanded more action on gun control. That same day, again Thursday, in Washington, D.C., during a press conference at the White House, a reporter asked White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre about the anti-LGBTQ bill that had just passed in Kentucky the day before. Uh, it, is, it is shameful, and it is unacceptable. Uh, as you mentioned, tomorrow's Trans Visibility Day on a day that we should be lifting up our trans kids, our trans youth, and making sure that they feel seen, we're seeing more and more of these hateful, hateful bills. And uh, that's what Republicans want to spend their time on. They don't want to talk about lowering costs. They don't want to talk about actually making Americans' lives better. They want to take away people's freedoms. And one of the things that we saw during the midterm elections is that people don't want their freedoms to be taken. They want us to fight for their freedoms. And so it is shameful. It is disturbing. And uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those, the trans community as they are under attack right now. But this is a president who has said many times before he has their backs, he will continue to have their backs, uh, and he will continue to fight for them. And his record shows that. Now, she's very clearly talking about this anti-LGBTQ bill that some have called the worst, like, ever anti-LGBTQ bill in the country 
that just was made into law. I don't want to say signed because the governor tried to stop it, but the legislature overrode his veto. So now it's law, and that's what she's talking about. Now, the very next day, Friday, as expected, there's massive protests in the capital of Kentucky, which is Frankfurt, and apparently there's protesters on both sides. And you're going to see, you're not going to see because this is a podcast, but Fox loved showing protesters in rainbow finery with, you know, trans face paint and all kinds of costumes and big posters and, you know, we're here, we're queer, get used to it, kind of all of that. Again, this is in Kentucky and this is about a bill. On that Friday, Will Kane happens to be subbing for Jesse Waters on Jesse Waters Primetime. And I don't know who writes these scripts. I have a feeling Will Kane did not write this script. He was just reading a script somebody else wrote for him. But this is how he presented the um, little speech that you just heard Jean-Pierre make and what just happened in Kentucky. You may have missed this, but yesterday, hundreds of anti-gun activists stormed the Tennessee State Capitol building over the school massacre committed by a trans shooter earlier this week. And as you'd expect, they went berserk. After a standoff with police in the halls of the Capitol building, activists then managed to break into an active legislative chamber. Protesters were seen in that Capitol building holding up, by the way, seven fingers in the air, screaming seven lives, as in seven victims of that shooting. Remember, six victims were killed by one shooter, a trans-identified shooter who was not and in any way a victim in this shooting. And yet there she is, counted among the seven. Now, so far, Will Kane is in what we call the reality narrative. Everything he said so far is accurate. Uh, there was a protest the day before in Nashville, and it was an, a pro-gun control or anti, you know, I guess you could say anti-gun rally, however you want to put it. It was pro-gun control or anti-gun. It's kind of both. It was a very large rally. It was a very boisterous rally, very aggressive rally. This is all true. The other thing I just want to add a note very quickly is he's trying to make a lot of mileage out of there being seven victims at the Nashville shooting. That is kind of commonly done. I've noticed that before when I've had to research mass shootings. If the shooter is killed by their own hand or by police at the event, they get included. I noticed this when I, I had to deep dive into Sandy Hook. Adam Lanza is considered one of the dead, as is his mother, even though the, his mother was not killed at the school. But because she was killed by him and is included in one of the, the people who died, the number is a little bit higher than just the students and the, and, and the teachers at the school. So strange but true. This is just how it's done. So that's really actually not that unusual. Um and it doesn't necessarily show support or sympathy for the shooter, in my humble opinion, because it's, a, again, a commonly done thing. Now, here's where Will Kane goes off the reality uh, narrative into his own narrative. Well, a group of trans activists in Kentucky stormed a Capitol building as well, not just Tennessee, but Kentucky. And yes, this time there was even a trans shaman. 
In the same week, a trans person shoots up a school and state buildings get stormed by trans shamans. And so how's the White House coping with all this? Well, they're in mourning, but for the trans community. People don't want their freedoms to be taken. They want us to fight for their freedoms. And so it is shameful, it is disturbing, and uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those, the trans community as they are under attack right now. But this is a president who has said many times before he has their backs. And in fact, Biden put out a statement saying trans people, quote, shape our nation's soul. Is this, is it just me or is this not the best time? Read the room. Okay, do you notice what Will Cain did just there? He neglected to tell his viewers that there was a massive anti-LGBTQ bill that was passed in Kentucky and that the protests were a direct response of that bill. They had nothing to do with the shooting in Nashville. They were not in support of the shooter in Nashville. They had nothing to do with that. It's in a completely different state, and the protest was on a different day. But Fox just couldn't help themselves. They saw an image of a man in uh, face paint that, you know, was trans flag colored, and he had a goofy hat, and he, you know, shouted a lot, and that was their, their trans shaman. That's what he was just designated. And these, you know, crowds of young people, and hey, it kind of looked the same. You know, you're talking about two Capitol buildings mostly a young crowd. Most of the protesters, I would say, were Gen Z. Some of them had rainbow stuff on. So there you go. Same people, same, same protest. Not the same protest. Now, it gets worse because Tucker Carlson, of course, takes it to a much, much darker place. And I don't watch every single show on Fox, so I don't know who else was also doing this. But yeah, not good. So we're going to move on to the next week, which is the next Thursday. Now we're going to go to another White House press conference. And again, this is by Corinne Jean-Pierre again. And she begins with a statement about the many LGBTQ laws that have been passed recently all over the country. And after she listed bills and laws in several states, she then addressed the LGBTQ community directly. And this is that clip. This is a dangerous, a dangerous attack on the rights of parents to make the best health care decisions for their own kids. According to the Human Rights Campaign, more than 50% of transgender youth in the U.S., which is estimated to be more than 150,000 kids, live in states in which transgender youth have lost access to or at risk of losing access to gender-affirming care. Look, this is awful news. Let's be very clear about that. LGBTQI plus kids are resilient. They are fierce. They fight back. They're not going anywhere. And we have their back. This administration has their back. We are so proud of the kids across this country who have organized protests and school walkouts to tell the politicians in their states to stop this legislative bullying. I know that these political attacks can really take toll on, on people's mental health. So I want to say directly to LGBTQI plus kids, you are loved just as you are, just the way you are. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, you call 988, the National Crisis Hotline, and dial the number three to talk to a counselor 
who has been specifically trained to support LGBTQI plus kids. This is a new service that the Biden administration is proud to offer during these incredibly hard times for these trans kids. Okay, so again, that was Thursday. Now the next day, on Tucker Carlson tonight, he takes her clip out of context and he does the same thing Will Kane just did, but he does it worse. Here we go. Last week, rioters stormed the Tennessee State House. They shut down the government in the name of child genital mutilation and gun seizures. So what did Tucker Carlson miss there? He never mentioned Kentucky. In fact, he's doing the same thing that Will Kane just did only a week later. He says last week, rioters stormed the Tennessee State House. They shut down the government in the name of child genital mutilation and gun seizures. Now, I'll allow him gun seizures, even though uh, common sense gun control, which is what they were advocating for, which is like background checks and red flag laws, stuff like that. Nothing about confiscation. Uh, maybe an assault weapons ban, perhaps. But a ban is still not confiscation. But I'll give you seizures if you want to go that radical with it. However, that protest was not about trans issues or gender-affirming care or what he would call genital mutilation. It's not about that. Not at all. You're just making stuff up. You're putting two protests together to uh, push an agenda. Which is manipulation, which is deception, and that is absolutely disgusting. Now, the next clip, he, play, he played this, and it's kind of cut off a little uh, abruptly, but this is Jean-Pierre again at the White House from the longer clip that I just played you. He's going to take just a snippet of it out of context. I plus kids are resilient. They are fierce. They fight back. They're not going anywhere. And we have their back. This administration has their back. They are fierce. They fight back. This administration has had back. So this is coming on the heels just days after a massacre in which children were murdered, apparently in response to laws against chemical and surgical castration of children. Okay, that is complete fabrication on his part. Fabrication, which is like, Hot words in journalism. Those are fighting words. Fabrication means you made something up. There is no evidence that the Nashville shooter added, acted out of some sort of political motivation. In fact, it seems more like a personal grievance because the target was something that this person had a very strong connection with, negative or positive. This is where that person went to school as a child, and there was a lot of anger towards that school. So to make a leap that the Nashville shooter acted out of some sort of political motivation because of laws passed, which up until now they hadn't even mentioned, neither one of these two idiots on Fox hadn't even mentioned. Now suddenly you're, you're, you're uh, infusing motivation when you have absolutely no evidence to back it up. None. And what makes me angry about this is your typical Vox viewer is not going to catch any of this. They're going to believe this 100%. They're going to believe exactly what he said. And, you know, the week prior, you had people saying stuff like, oh, every single mass shooting in a row in the past four we've had have had trans shooters when that's not accurate. And then Dana Loesch made a comment about, like, militant trans people. And I was like, what are you talking about? Again, no proof, no evidence. So 
Carlson just gets worse. So the White House is not decrying that. The White House is endorsing it as clearly as it possibly could. And that's why no one from the Biden White House is visiting the grieving Christian families in Nashville. That is another fabrication. (sighs) I think most people would consider the first lady a member of the White House or a member of the Biden administration. But Dr. Jill Biden, our first lady, went to a candlelight vigil in Nashville two days after the shooting. She was welcomed. She made a speech. She was there. It's very widely reported on. It's not a mystery. So that's just a blatant lie. Or you just don't know, Tucker, and you don't check anything. You just don't do any research, and you just make assumptions based on nothing. But that is not correct, what he just said. Instead, today, Kamala Harris went to Nashville to promote three Democratic Party legislators who led a riot at the State House, a riot designed to promote, yes, the cult of transgenderism. Okay, that's just a blatant fabrication again. That is not true, what he just said. It's not true. The protests in Nashville were about guns. They were about guns because these kids are sick of having near-death experiences when they go to school. They're sick of it. They're sick of living in fear. They're terrified. They're fed up. And these mass shootings keep happening more and more and more often. And this is Gen Z, and that's who showed up for the most part. They're very young people. If you look at any images from those protests and read about the protests, anything from Nashville is guns, 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 guns. It had nothing to do with trans. He's conflating two protests, sticking them together, and turning them into to one protest because he knows he can get away with it because the images look similar. They're a day apart. They both got a lot of press. Boom, make them one protest. So basically the narrative that Fox is trying to push is that the trans community, which is an incredibly small group of a not that very large group, the LGBTQ community, is so militant that they would protest, like, in honor of, I guess, a trans mass shooter, somebody who killed babies. And this is dangerous because this is a level of dehumanization that is difficult to even just... And I'm not here to um, push my own beliefs of the trans community onto anybody else. And I realize that people have different concerns with children and athletes and all that, whatever. However, what Fox does here is absolutely monstrous because what it's doing is it's saying that this group of people was protesting in Nashville somehow because the shooter was trans and they're mad about it. And they're when they're really protesting for gun control, something much more reasonable. I mean, they're basically taking this group of people and turning them into sociopaths because only a sociopath would get angry that the shooter was trans and you're you're being mean to trans people because of that. I mean, that's basically what Tucker Carlson was doing there. And that's really disturbing, really deeply disturbing. And that's just so unfair. And they they were lying. They were lying. They're blatantly lying. I don't know how else to put it. Now that I'm 19 and a half minutes in, I should give a shout out to the group that uh, pays for this podcast is it's a micro budget project. The town night center for news integrity initiative at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. I'm a proud graduate of that program, not a student. I just, people sometimes think I'm a student. I'm not a student. Oh my goodness, no. Um, And I'm also supported from listeners and readers of my newsletter or listeners to my podcast. You can become a supporter by becoming a paid subscriber at my Substack channel or at my Patreon. You can become a supporter. I'm trying to do more stuff for you guys. Um, I'm massively overworked. Last week was absolute hell. 
the the whole indictment arraignment situation, anything with Trump is just exhausting, exhausting. And uh, last week I did an extra seven hours to cover the entire day of the arraignment, turn it into a podcast. If you want to listen to it, that's the, it's so far, it's the most top performing podcast I've ever done. Uh, lots of listens, lots of downloads, uh, good feedback on that one. And that's about it. So next up. So this next one is kind of a disturbing clip. Um, things get better. Things get better. The last clip is a ray of hope. It's a ray of hope, guys. The last one is a ray of hope. Uh, there's no way around it. I mean, I have to go with what Fox gives me. And I thought that last arc of how they manipulated those two protests was very important to show you um, because they do that all the time. And that was a great example of how sinister it is. And it makes me very, very angry. Kind of like how they took... Biden made a speech about lynching and he was talking about a movie about lynching at the White House in honor of Emmett Till and multiple Fox hosts twisted that and just said, oh, look, he's talking about lynching again for no reason when, you know, they just blatantly misled their audience yet again. So this one's pretty dark. It shows you sort of the influence of Fox News. So title of this section is Greg Abbott does the bidding of Tucker Carlson. Now I'm guessing, I don't really know, but Uh, And I will say that openly. Last Friday, Army Sergeant Daniel Perry, 33, a driver for Uber, was found guilty of murder after he shot and killed Garrett Foster during a police brutality protest in Austin, Texas, in the summer of 2020. The protest was part of a series of demonstrations that broke out all over the country after a police killing of George Floyd. According to police, Perry stopped his car and honked it as protesters walked through the street near the state capitol. Seconds later, he drove directly into the crowd. Now, there are conflicting reports as to what happened next, but Perry ended up shooting and killing Foster, a 28-year-old Air Force veteran who was openly carrying an AK-47, which is legal in Texas. Perry was also legally carrying a weapon. So after he shot uh, Foster, Perry fled the area. He later called police and reported the crime, citing self-defense. The case involved the controversial Stand Your Ground law, which allows someone to use deadly force if they feel their life is in danger. These laws are incredibly problematic. Some of Perry's social media posts about retaliating against protesters raised questions about his claim of self-defense. Witnesses testified that Perry seemed to drive intentionally into the crowd before killing Foster. Now, we're just going to start with Tucker Carlson, and this is what he said about it right after the verdict was announced. And again, this man was found guilty in Texas. That's hard. That's hard. By a jury, not a judge. So a jury in Texas with stand-your-ground laws that are very uh, pro-gun user in many, many ways found this man guilty. I don't know enough about this case. It does seem kind of odd circumstances with two men having guns and all of that, but A jury in Texas found this man guilty. So during the last outbreak of armed extremism, which of course was the BLM riots of 2020, a former army sergeant called Daniel Daniel Perry was driving for Uber in Austin, Texas. He was an Uber driver. He's in his car and a mob of rioters surround him in the middle of the street and begin hitting his car. One member of the mob was a man called Garrett Foster. Foster is a militant with a history of waving his rifle at people. He approached Perry's driver's side window with an AK-47. 
Then he raised the rifle. And when he did that, Perry shot and killed him in self-defense. The lead detective in the case and the Austin police concluded it was a justified shooting. If that's not a justified shooting, there's no such thing. But because Austin, Texas, the justice system is overseen by a Soros-funded DA. Of course, they're talking about George, he's talking about George Soros, the philanthropist who gives a lot of money to left-wing causes. And you notice that wording, Soros-funded DA. He's almost implying, he doesn't say it outright, but he's, I mean, that could be interpreted as Soros is paying this man's salary, which, of course, that's not the case. Uh, the people of Texas are paying this man's salary. He's working for the state. And uh, Carlson also downplays that this man was convicted by a jury of his peers. Perry was charged with murder for defending himself. And tonight, we are sad to tell you, this man, a military veteran driving an Uber car, was convicted of murder. And what does that mean? It means that in the state of Texas, if you have the wrong politics, you're not allowed to defend yourself. Just sit on that for a moment. In the state of Texas, if you have the wrong politics, Texas. Texas, where like anybody can walk around with a gun pretty much anywhere and they have stand your ground laws. And you're saying in Texas, like that's just Texas, which is like crazy red. And I also want to point out that he's calling the um, murderer or the shooter, however you want to see it. I'm, I'm not making it. I mean, he was found guilty, so I can technically say that he's confounded the convicted murderer. He's saying that he's a veteran. He's leaving out the fact that the man who was shot was also a veteran, which is convenient. So this is a legal atrocity. It's so obviously unjust that tonight we extended an invitation to the sitting governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, to come on this show on Monday. And we wanted to ask if he was considering a pardon for Daniel Perry. But for some reason, Governor Greg Abbott's office told us he just can't make it and that we should talk to the attorney general of Texas, Ken Paxton, instead. So that is Greg Abbott's position. There is no right of self-defense in Texas. We're going to keep trying to reach the governor of Texas. So again, he just like basically challenged the governor of Texas to pardon this man. And what happens? Less than 24 hours later, this is a clip from a local Fox affiliate in Dallas, Fort Worth. I'm just going to play the clip. Attorney in Travis County says it is deeply troubling that Governor Abbott is trying to pardon a newly convicted killer. A jury in Austin found the killer guilty of murder Friday for the death of a protester in 2020. And Fox 4's Hannah Bataille here brings us up to speed. Hannah. Good morning, you guys. So Daniel Perry was accused of intentionally driving into a crowd during a Black Lives Matter protest a couple of years ago, then shooting and killing one of the protesters. Perry and the victim, Garrett, were both legally carrying firearms. Now, they're are conflicting accounts of who pointed a gun at the other first. But Governor Abbott said that the state's stand your ground law should have applied, which is why he requested the Board of Pardons and Paroles to determine if Perry should be granted a pardon. The jury in Perry's trial rejected claims of self-defense, likely taking cues from what was used as a major piece of evidence in the trial. Daniel Perry's social media posts. They indicated that he had some type of desire to engage in some type of violence with protesters. I've had a lot of people ask me, Rick, did the Daniel Perry jury get it right? I don't think in terms of a right verdict or a wrong verdict. I think you have to respect the process and you have to respect the verdict of the jury. 
Travis County DA Jose Garza seems to agree with that sentiment. He wrote in a statement yesterday that it is up to juries, not the governor, to decide whether defendants are guilty or not. Governor Abbott cannot order a pardon unless the Board of Pardons and Paroles recommends one. He is pressing that board to review Perry's case quickly. A judge, meantime, is expected to set a date for Perry's sentencing hearing later today. Reporting live in studio, I'm Hannah Batam. Back to you. So we, we've slogged in the, in the muck and mire through this episode, but there's no avoiding it because really Fox didn't give me anything else. The top five topics this week were absolutely ridiculously stupid. I'll say it. They were just stupid. It was, I'll go through the, we're going to jump a little bit to the graph. Top five, Trump indictment, 32% of the airtime. And that, this wasn't, this was just the regular Fox and Friends, the five and Tucker Carlson. This did not include, this chart does not include the seven hours that I did. That's a separate episode. Um, that was on the arraignment day. 7% was the Afghanistan withdrawal. And honestly, they don't really have to spend that. It's just really depressing. I mean, they, they downplayed Trump's role in that, in that Trump weakened our situation there greatly, but still, it was just, there's not much I could pull from that. The Trump speech at Mar-a-Lago was 5%. Nonsense economic theories that are pro-Russia. I didn't know what else to call it. That was Tucker Carlson just making stuff up about the dollar. And then NPR labeled as state media on Twitter. And that was Tucker Carlson going on an extended rant against NPR, which you got to love NPR. Why are you ripping on NPR? So we've been through a lot of dreck. Oh, I should say dreck. If you don't know, if you uh, aren't Jewish or live in New York is a Yiddish term for like junk, for garbage. I have been saying that since I was a little kid. I had no idea it was Yiddish. I said that once in front of my friend who teaches Yiddish, and she fell over laughing. And she said, where did you pick that up? And I'm like, I don't know. I've always said it. And I, I kind of like to think I got it from a Bugs Bunny cartoon or something, where somebody was like, that's dreck. You know, anyway, back in the day when all the vaudevillians turned into cartoonists, that's what happened, some of them. Any, I'm going on crazy tangents. I'm crazy tangents. I want to lift this up. I want to give us a ray of hope here at the end. Ray of hope. Now, this is a short clip by a Fox News personality that we rarely hear from because she's kind of like Marilyn of the Munsters of Fox News. Although she did work for G.W. Bush, so she's not... Mm, they're still that... Like, what? Are you okay? So she used to work for George W. Bush. She's pretty normal. She's about as normal, not Shannon Bream, normal as you could get on Fox News. It's Dana Perino. And what she says here is like, ding, 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 fireworks. Everything's blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Gives it ray of hope. I'm just going to play the clip. You'll hear it. For me personally, I would be pro-life. So they tagged him as a pro-life crazy nut. And there was no response on it. And that has nothing to do with the running of a city. Now go ne next door to Wisconsin. Republicans lose by 10 points. Mm -hmm. Now, they won a lot of the conservative ballot issues, the issues that are on the ballot. But the candidate on the Republican Supreme Court case, he lost by 10 points. And Republicans used to be able to count on their voters turning out in the midterms. But the left has really woken up to making sure that Gen Z gets out and vote. If you look at the vote and where it came from, especially in Wisconsin, at the University of Madison, for example, University of Wisconsin in Madison, it was staggering. The numbers are staggering. And that is going to happen all across the country. Yeah. I kind of love that Dana Perino was the one that said that, too, because she did it in such a like, well, you know, I mean, this is, you know, very, very rational kind of I'm just going to explain this. Like, guys, we're kind of doomed here because for 50 years, 
They fought to have Roe v. Wade overturned, and then they finally got it. And they're like the dog that finally caught the car, and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. And they don't realize that they awoke a huge sleeping dragon in that younger generation. I'm Gen X. We're shrunken. We can't do much of anything. We're just terrified you're going to take our Social Security away because it's about when we're going to retire. <laughs> laughing, laughing to keep from crying on that one. But we are a shrunken generation. We do the best we can. But millennials and Gen Z are huge. And if they come out in force, if they're motivated, because a huge part of the motivation behind that Wisconsin vote was uh, reproductive rights, they come out. And Fox News, on a regular basis, trashes that generation. They make fun of them. They make fun of social media. They make fun of emojis. They make fun of TikTok. They're just constantly attacking younger people, openly mocking them. And that younger generation is less likely to be racist. They're less likely to be bigoted towards the LGBTQ community. They're more open-minded. They are a force to be reckoned with. And they will take over this country eventually anyway. So if they get out, if they get out in force, if they get motivated, watch out. And they know it. Dana Perino knows it. And the rest of Fox can go ahead and mock them and pull people from TikTok and, oh, look at this weirdo and this person's this or that, or they're saying they're this or they're woke or they're, they're so uptight, yada, yada, yada. That's the future, guys. That's the future. Gen Z. And they're coming. I just went to grad school with a bunch of them. I thought they were great. Um, I was, I lived in fear that I was going to offend them. <laughs> I openly, I, 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 I lived in fear. <laughs> like every other word that came out of my mouth, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just said guys. And I meant that it in a non-gender specific way, guys. I, oh, I just said it again. I just said it again. I'm so, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm kidding. I'm, I wasn't that dramatic, but I did kind of live in fear. I haven't done like a goofy voice this um, podcast because it didn't really fit with the tone. But before I go into the last like section, I'll do very quickly. This is in honor of Easter. I don't know why this is in honor of Easter, but I, I thought of her this year. I used to work at a place. If you know New York, you know this place is a tourist trap called Ellen Stadestina. And it was owned by a woman and a husband. And her name was Ellen. And she was a Miss Subway. And she was from the Bronx. And I swear to God, this is how she sounded every single day. And you think, oh, isn't she cute? This little petite woman with a little hat. Like she's still dressing like it's 1975. And a little outfits with the earth tones and the stripes. Little leather, you know, little leather hat. Little snap on the front. Cute. And then she'd say stuff like, hey, Irving, we need to fire anybody here who's not making the numbers. We got a clean house. We got we hired too many people for Christmas. So look at the sales. Look at the sales and just cut them. She said that right in front of us. I mean, in some ways, bless Ellen, because that's like a very New York thing to do, actually. <laughs> and it is a real place. And I worked there 22 years ago. Now, this next section in the uh, podcast is the stories that Fox News ignored every week. I compare 15 hours of Fox News to five hours of the PBS NewsHour, and the following list are stories that PBS reported on that Fox did not, at least the shows I covered. Here we go. Former Vice President Mike Pence has agreed to testify in the special counsel's investigation into former President Donald J. Trump's role in the riots on January 6th. A U.S. drone strike in northwestern Syria killed Khalid Ayad Ahmad al-Jabouri, a senior member of ISIS. The U.S. announced it will send $6.2 billion more in weapons aid to help Ukraine. 
Russian Commissioner for Children's Rights, rejected ICC war crime allegations about Ukrainian children as false. The woman, suspected of being involved with a bombing that killed a popular Russian military blogger in St. Petersburg, will be held for two months pending the investigation into the case. The blogger, Vladin Tatarsky, was an enthusiastic supporter of the war in Ukraine. He was killed via a bomb hidden in an award presented to him. Workers at UK passport offices launched a five-week strike over wages. A federal judge in Texas halted the Food and Drug Administration's approval of the abortion pill misopristone. Medical abortion is used in over half of all abortions in the United States. Last month, the U.S. economy added 236,000 jobs and unemployment fell to 3.5%. Protests continue across France due to Emmanuel Macron's decision to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. The city of Paris, France, voted 90% in a referendum to ban rental e-scooters. The vehicles have caused countless accidents and are seen as a nuisance. French President Emmanuel Macron met with Chinese President Xi Jinping. During an interview en route back to France, Macron was quoted as saying, Europe must reduce its dependency on the United States and avoid getting dragged into a confrontation between China and the U.S. over Taiwan. For over 20 years, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas received lavish trips from a Republican megadonor, Harlan Crow. Crow is also a collector of Nazi memorabilia, which he displays prominently in his home, including a signed copy of Mein Kampf. No kidding. In honor of its 75th birthday, the CIA debuted a museum. The museum is not available to the public as it's located within the CIA headquarters, but visitors can peruse through its exhibits online. Indiana and Idaho banned gender-affirming care for minors. The Kansas legislature barred transgender athletes from competing in school sports from kindergarten to college. President Biden blocked outright bans of trans athletes in schools and has proposed changes to Title IX that would include trans athletes. His changes would also add protections for students who accuse others of sexual assault or harassment. The governor of Idaho just signed a law that would make it illegal for people to help pregnant minors leave the state to obtain an abortion. The EPA issued new standards for pollutants discharged through wastewater from power plants. The Justice Department reached a settlement with survivors and families of victims of a shooting at church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. The Air Force never reported that the gunman had received a court-martial for assault. If his past crimes had been reported, he wouldn't have been able to legally obtain a firearm that he used in the shooting. Finland officially joined NATO as the 31st country to join the defensive alliance. PBS continued its comprehensive series of segments on the 20th anniversary of the Iraq War. An extended investigation by the Attorney General of Maryland found that Catholic priests molested children over a span of 80 years in the Baltimore Archdiocese. The 456-page investigation details how 158 clergy Teachers, seminarians, and deacons allegedly assaulted more than 600 children going back to the 1940s. Most of the offenders are deceased. NASA announced a crew of four astronauts for the Artemis II mission to the moon. On Tuesday, Palestinian worshippers barricaded themselves inside the Al-Aqas Mosque, the old city's sensitive compound. They were removed by Israeli police. 
After the unrest, Israeli media reported 16 rockets fired from Gaza, which were shot down by missile defense. There were no reported casualties. On Friday in Tel Aviv, a Palestinian driver ran a car into a group of people killing an Italian citizen and injuring seven. The attack came after two British-Israeli sisters were killed and their mother injured in a shooting in the occupied West Bank earlier the same day. PBS included an extended segment about the parent perception gap, when parents think their children are more proficient in school than their skill levels show. PBS produced a segment on the high-cost prisoners and their families pay for basic communication via phone and video conference. Studies show the more contact a prisoner has with family and people outside the prison system, the less likely they are to reoffend. And finally, PBS included a segment on the global seed vault in Norway and the role it can play with increasing severe climate changes. That was fascinating. If you want to see something really cool, watch that segment. And finally, since I already did the Fox one, I'll go very quickly to PBS. The top five categories on PBS were totally normal. Trump indictment at 19%. 20th anniversary of Iraq war. Also would highly recommend that series. Gun control protest in Tennessee. And notice it's a gun control protest. Artist profile, which is a standard. And this Wisconsin vote for SCOTUS. The words used on Fox News for the week ending were Trump, 364, Biden, 192, trans, 161. And I had to count out things like transformation and anything with the word trans in it. That one was tricky. Crime, 141. It's very high. China, 137. Election, 99. Alvin Bragg, 86. Afghanistan, 42. Balloon, the Chinese balloon sort of became a story, kind of fell right off again. Kind of came back and they got bored with it. DeSantis only mentioned 18 times. Oh, that doesn't look good for him. Terrorists, 17. Inflation, 14. Hunter, 14. Hillary, 8, because why not? AOC, 8. Abortion, 6. Around 5. Fetterman, 5. Extremist, 4. And coming up, I'll be covering the first hour of Fox and Friends, The Five, and Hannity. I should finally get the next installment for my uh, paid subscribers. I'm behind on that because last week was, ha, 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 kill me. That was hard, the whole arraignment indictment situation. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for supporting the podcast. If you'd like to uh, become a paid subscriber, you can do so at my Substack. You can give a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, you can go to my Patreon if you'd like or not or just tell a friend. The cats, the uh, podcast mascots, Odin and Thor, also send their love. Thor's a crazy one. He's knocking stuff over like crazy tonight, like like really destructive animal see you the next podcast